The following audio is from Hope Hill Church. To learn more about Hope Hill Church, please visit hopehillchurch.org. God, thank you so much for your love for us. We know that you are a loving God. You are a, uh, a God that blesses, and God, you are a God that sends. You have called us and sent us. Sometimes I don't feel like people understand like the, the weight of some of the things that are written in this book and the old authority in heaven on earth. Every bit of authority that exists has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. There were 12 men who said, we're going to abandon everything to follow after Jesus as our master. And so they did. And as they did, Jesus six months, we've looked at how Jesus was sent, how he was sent to be our shepherd, how he was sent to take our sins upon himself and go to a cross in our place to offer up his righteous life. He who never sinned became sin in our place to offer a, a pure life in exchange for ours, a broken life. And he offers forgiveness and redemption to any who would receive it. At the end of 
his life on earth and going to the cross, he conquered sin and through death he was victorious. And he came back and went to those who he had chosen, his disciples, those who he had spent the last three years of his life living life with them. Uh, It says in the scriptures that he would withdraw to be alone, to rub off on them, uh, was the word we studied two weeks ago. And as he lived life and rubbed off on them, this was the process of discipleship. And this is what we are called to do. For far too long, the church and many movements within the church have been focused on a leader-led information dump where the masses come to hear a professional speaker, a teacher, someone that's been through seminary and has all the degrees to get up and do all the work. But the scriptures tell us that the work of the church is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And the saints, believe it or not, are those of you who have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Those of you who have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ who died on a cross in your place washed your sins away. Yes, we still often will walk the streets of this world and get our feet dirty and we need to come back to Christ for that foot washing, for that confession to say, you know, I've sinned, please forgive me and help me to get back up and to follow you. This is what it means to be a disciple. To walk that long walk with Jesus. To walk that long walk with one another. I have been encouraging you over the last month to get involved in our community groups or to maybe even start a new relationship if you've selected one or two others in your life that would be for the purpose of iron sharpening iron, building one another up, holding each other accountable, growing deeper in your walk with Jesus and in the person you want to become. Uh, A number of resources have been put out to help the church do just that. so strongly that they now can re-download it as a PDF or as a free course. Use it as a digital course if you want to. You can find it at multiplymovement.com. But this is a great book for one-on-one discipleship. In fact, the first pages of this book say, if you're reading this book alone, stop. Find one or two others. Read it with them. Discuss and pray together. Journey together as a discipleship journey. So my encouragement is that you would embrace the resources we're presenting and get involved in a discipleship relationship so that we can all become who God has called us to become. So pick up a copy of his book or download it for free to your device and let's journey on this journey together to becoming the people he's called us to be. Statistics show that the church is in decline. There are many parts of the world where this isn't the case. Places like communist China, the church is growing more rapidly than anywhere else in the world. Many uh, statisticians and and people who study, uh, what's the word when you study culture? Sociology? Is that the right word? Are are looking at areas such as China and saying, and pointing out to the fact that many times during persecution that the church grows the most. We can actually see that in the book of Acts. When they were being persecuted, they were forced to scatter, and the gospel spread 
other end of the earth. In the same way, Jesus said, I will build my church. The gates of hell will not hold up against it. The church is to be an offensive movement, a movement that is about multiplication and reproduction. Now, we had a little meeting with some of our leadership on Thursday. They walked into our room. It looked like a baby shower. I teased everyone and said it was going to be a real party. Everybody thought my daughter Jordan was already been impregnated. But the truth is, <laughs> the truth is that I said that night is each and every one of us should be pregnant right now. I mean that. It is what we're made for, reproduction. We are made to multiply ourselves and others. Jesus did not just come to this earth and do everything that needed to be done for us and say, okay, guys, I died for you. Just believe me. He spent the last three years of his life reproducing himself into those who chose to follow him. And Jesus didn't come on, on and arrive on this earth and pick the religious elite or those who seemed to have the highest capacity for leadership. He went to a bunch of rejected individuals, tax collectors, individuals who were betraying their own society and culture to make a few dollars on the side, working for the Roman Empire. And he also re- chose some fishermen. The day he met Peter, he wasn't even a good fisherman. He had caught zero fish. And yet, these are the kind of people that Jesus called to the mission. In fact, after spending three years of life, these men and women who had followed Jesus, had their lives transformed forever. And Jesus prayed for them in the book of John, chapter 17. And he said these words about them and those who would believe in the message that would be given through them. Jesus said these words. This was the night before he was crucified. So you, in many ways you could say these were Jesus' last dying words. He prayed this prayer to his father from John chapter 17, verse 18. He says, as you have sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself. The word sanctify means to be set apart for a purpose. Jesus came set apart for a purpose, to live pointing us to the Father, and to die, giving us a way united with the Father, forgiving us of our sins. I sanctified myself for a purpose, that they too may also be sanctified, set aside for a purpose. As the Father sent me, Jesus said, now I sent you. I had a purpose, now you have a purpose. And that purpose is to go and to continue to teach these things goes and says in verse 20, my prayer is not just for them alone, my immediate friends, those disciples, but I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that follow me and join me. Jesus' prayer for us was to be disciples that make disciples. Great Commission, go therefore into all the world and make disciples. This is what God calls us to, not just to share the gospel and evangelize and make converts, but for each and every person that comes to know Jesus, our responsibility, not just as the professional church, but as individuals, 
if you have the opportunity to lead someone to Jesus, it is your responsibility to point them back to the scriptures and to show them what their purpose is for. Salvation is not just for us to attain glory one day in the future, but it's for us to become the body of Jesus that he's called us to be right now. In the book of Genesis, we see the very first commandment to Adam and Eve. You know the passage of scripture found in Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 28. After God had created all the heavens and the earth, after he had put everything in its proper place, and he had scanned all creation, he then made man and woman. Then God said, let us make man in our image, verse 26, in our likeness. Do you see, are there any people created yet? Scripture, the Trinity, God speaking in the plural, Genesis 1-1, God made the heavens and the earth, and then he said, let us make man in our image, our image, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Let us make man in our image and in our likeness. And then if you drop down to verse 28, the first commandment to Adam and Eve, God blessed them and said to them, be and increase in number or multiply. Multiply. We've been going to a number of conferences and studies, and there, uh, there, are, there are specialists who are trying to get the attention of the existing church, letting us see the current state of, of the movement of, of the kingdom of God within the Western civilization. In Europe, and in the United States, the church is in decline. Over 4,000 churches closed their doors last year for various reasons. People not attending, people not giving, people not sharing the resources to build the mission together. 4,000 churches in the United States closed their doors. About 3,500 churches planted, new churches were started. A deficit of about 500. We need to see a change. We need to do better. Adam and Eve were told to be fruitful and to multiply. Not just so that they would have a big family gathering at Thanksgiving, but so that they would spread over the earth. So that they would take the good news of Jesus and reach the far ends of the earth. Jesus said in Acts 1.8, I'm calling you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, your hometown. But don't just stop there. To Judea, to Samaria, and to the ends of this is the call for each and every one of us. It's not just a task or a responsibility set aside for professional missionaries or pastors that have been seminary and trained. As I demonstrated a few moments ago when Jesus came and he called his disciples, his closest followers, those who he would entrust to stay behind and carry on this God-sized mission, he chose mere men, fishermen tax collectors. And yet, many times we think in order to accomplish the mission, we need a seminary trained, multi-degree in hand, professional who can speak eloquently and have a line of accomplishments in his resume. Jesus said, hey, you didn't catch any fish today. Follow me. I, 
that took us and had us look at a couple passages of the scripture um, to kind of point this out. Jesus invites us, but he doesn't need us. He invites us to the mission. He could accomplish the mission on his own completely, but he doesn't need us. But he simply calls us to have open, willing hearts that are willing to say, here I am, send me. One of the stories that many of us have heard is the feeding of the 5,000. We see that Jesus is teaching crowds, and all of a sudden the crowd begins to grow. Dinner time is approaching. And as Jesus says in John chapter 6, he sees the crowds coming. And he turns to Philip, one of his friends, one of his disciples. And Jesus says to Philip, hey, Philip, where are we going to buy food to feed all these people? Jesus says this to Philip. There are many times that Jesus will present to us a problem and ask us what we think the solution is to the problem. The question that the women who attend the Beth Moore study heard Beth Moore uh, describe, the question is, how many times when we are faced with a problem do we back to Jesus and say, please take care of this? Many times instead we're going to look at what we simply have and think, I don't have enough. story. Peter um, looked off to the side and saw a young boy with a few uh, loaves of bread and a couple fish and said, here's some, but not enough. What are we going to do with this? And Jesus took it and multiplied it and went through the story. Earlier in the Old Testament, Moses is being called by God. I'm choosing you. To be my mouthpiece. And Moses is like, wait a minute, I have a speech problem. I stutter when I talk. How are you wanting me to go and speak for you to the nations? This is ridiculous. It doesn't make any sense at all. And all of chapter 3, Exodus chapter 3, Moses and, and God are having this debate back and forth. And finally, in uh, Exodus chapter 4, Moses goes, okay, fine. If I take your word and I go and I'm your chosen mouthpiece, I'm going to go ahead and do my best, although it's probably not going to be good enough. What happens if they don't believe? What if I go and share all that I'm going to share about you and Moses? And uh, what if they don't believe in me or listen to me? And they say, the Lord didn't appear to you. What are you talking about? You were out in the wilderness and you saw some bush on fire and you thought that was God? Sounds like you were smoking some bush. What if they don't believe in me or listen to me, he says. The Lord didn't appear to you. And the Lord said to him, what's in your hand?
be willing to give you whatever you have, a couple fish or if it's a steak. God can take what you have and use it for his glory. Are we willing to offer up what we have in obedience to what he has called us to do and, and, and to be and to follow him? As we submit ourselves as individuals who aren't learned, who don't have all the resources that we think is needed to have to do the things he's calling us to do, we will shock and awe people because they will see us and they'll say, you know what, it must be God. It must be God moving through them and in them. In Acts chapter 4, as the church is beginning to grow and to spread, the number of the disciples who are left behind on their mission to carry on the discipling of the world, they're speaking to a group of, of, of religious elite, the Sanhedrin. And in Acts chapter 4, verse 13, these words are said. When they saw, they being the religious council, the lead of the day, who didn't want anything to do with Jesus, they wanted to shut this movement down. They thought it was just some, they thought, man, if we get rid of this guy, Jesus, the movement will die. But it wasn't dying. So now, what are we going to do? And they call these men to speak. And when they saw the courage of Peter and John, just some, some converted fishermen, when they saw the courage, they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. And they were astonished and took note that these men had what? see Jesus in us, they see Jesus through us, they see us, Jesus in our relationships with one another, the way we're pouring into one another, the way we're walking with life, it, through life with one another. Jesus came to pour himself into others, who would then pour themselves into others. We're called to be fruitful and multiply. In 2 Timothy 2.2, 2, as Paul is discipling a young man named Timothy, he turns to Timothy and he says, okay, Timothy, I want you to take everything that I've taught you and the things you've seen me teach others, and I want you to teach others now who will have the ability to teach others. Do you see how this is a replication process, a reproduction? We have not simply been blessed so that we can enjoy the blessing. We've been blessed so that we can be a blessing to others. We've been taught so that we can teach others. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people, reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. And our commanding officer is Jesus Christ, whose orders are to disciple others. Whose orders are to live life with to walk in the journey that he has called us to walk together. Are we doing that? What does discipleship look like? Discipleship is not just signing up for a Bible study. 
Although we're going to encourage you to do that today. We're going to encourage you. There are tables right behind you with stacks of books and papers for you to sign up. And we would like you to take a book if you're willing to commit to being a part of the group. We want to encourage you to do that. But it goes much deeper than that. A lady who runs a group of discipleship groups at the church um, was interviewed and she shared this. Jesus made disciples. He walked with them. Uh, my husband and I call it peripatetic ministry. He walked alongside them, and they applied scripture as as situations rose. Um, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with fill-in-the-blank book studies. Those have their place. But when you're walking alongside someone and they say, oh, this situation is happening in my life. Uh, maybe it's a dating situation, or maybe it's an employment situation, or having this trouble with the culture that I'm working in or living in. And you say, they come to you and they say, what's the answer to this? And you look at them honestly and you say those three magic words that set everybody free. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. But we're going to find this out together. We're going to figure it out together and we're going to dig into the scripture and we're going to walk through this moment by moment together and figure out what the answer is. And that's that to me is discipleship. That's, that's shaping and shaping individuals so that they can shape the culture uh, and disciple uh, the people around them as well. Um, We don't do, I think in the West, we don't do historically the long walk very well. We want kind of instant microwave, you know, surface, because it's just easier than getting in the mess and the muck of somebody's life. Um, But a lot of the folks that we disciple ask the same questions that I ask when I ask when I'm still being discipled by people older than me, are you going to be with me when it's awful? Are you going to be with me when I get evicted? Are you going to be with me if I land in jail? Are you going to be with me if I fail? And the answer has to be yes. And so, you know, I work a lot in the Middle East. They have such an incredibly long view of history. They have a long view of community, a long and deep view relationships. And, um, you know, that's that's the context of the Bible. (laughs) You know, this communal um, disciple-making, let me show you how to walk through life. No, let me walk through life with you, and we'll figure it out together. So our goal as a church is to see multiplication and reproduction at every level. Whether you are a nursery leader, small group leader. We want to see in others the potential for them to be who you are or even greater. And us walking alongside each other, developing each other in those roles. In addition to that, simply being about disciple making and pouring into each other. A number of you are in community groups. But my question is, have you gone deeper than that even? I know some of our community groups might have four couples in them. Are the men in that group and the women in that group encouraging and pouring into each other, going deeper and challenging each other in our walks with Jesus? And 
become all that he's called us to be. That's my desire. That's my hope is that we would be a people striving to be all that he wants us to be. Not just so that we can enjoy being that with one another, but so that we can be the effective witnesses that God has called us to be. To reach those who do not yet know him. So as our worship team comes to close us this morning, I want to challenge you on a couple levels. First of all, I want to ask you, if you are a believer, if you are a follower of Jesus, who are you living life with spiritually? Who are you walking the long road with? Do you have somebody pouring into you? Are you taking time to pour into somebody else? If not, I want to encourage you to get involved in that. Just take the step to say, you know, Pastor John, I want that. Uh, A couple weeks ago, a number of you filled out a connection card saying, yes, I'm interested in that life transformation type group, that smaller discipleship group. We're taking steps to have that structured and organized to help you find one another. Right now we have a Facebook page. Uh, About 25 of you have seen that we created it and joined it. Uh, But I want to encourage you, find us on Facebook. Uh, Send out invites to anybody who filled out a card. Some of you uh, aren't on Facebook, so I emailed you. Didn't see your email. Maybe it was a junk mail. But let's connect with each other so that we can help each other take those next steps to get into this kind of relationship with Jesus. In addition to those smaller groups, I want, we want to encourage you to be a part of a community group. So as our worship team closes us in a time of response, I want you to think about the challenge that you're facing. Are you holding back because you feel like you have nothing to offer? Are you holding back because you feel like you just don't have enough time? For whatever reason, my encouragement would be that right here, right now, in the next four or five minutes, you would say, God, help me not be holding back. Help me to be obedient, to be part of the multiplication of that relationship. Somebody being discipled and guiding you to pour into others and disciple them to follow Jesus. Ask him to help you take that step. Pray that God would bring the right people Discipling, co-discipling, making one another. We do this because Christ did all things. He gave up his life. He allowed his body to be broken, his blood to be shed, to offer us forgiveness, to show us his love. So during our time of communion and response to worship, as you feel led to come up and receive communion, we'll take and eat some bread. We'll dip it in the cup as a remembrance of what Jesus did for us. Ask the question, What am I doing with my life? Am I walking the walk or walking the walk? Am I in relationships with the people you want me in relationship with? At the level you want me in relationship with them? So my encouragement is after you go to either the communication or you go to one of the seating tables back there, there's four places you can write your name, let us know what group you're in, or if you want to be in a group, I'm not in a group yet. Regardless of what your status is, we want you to take a step want you to go back and take a step and let Jesus lead us as we pour into one another and take the next step in discipleship. Father God, I pray that you move among us now. Help us to take the steps that you want us to take to be a body that is about reproduction, that is about pouring into one another, that is about seeing new birth take place in the lives of the people that you've placed around us and in the lives of the people who do not yet know you as we go about living the life of disciples wherever we eat, study, play, and shop, others will see you in us. 
We may be the instrument of peace. Our co-workers can only do that. God, I pray also right now that if somebody is here this morning and they don't know you as their Savior, that would be the first decision they make. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, the Scriptures say at the moment that you put your, your belief and your trust in Him, He will come and make the visit. If you confess with your mouth that He is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So today, here in this very moment, you can call out to Him, saying, Jesus, come into my life. Make me new. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Help me to follow you. Thank you for giving up your life. Now I give you mine. God, I pray if there's someone here who just prayed that prayer, they would understand that you love them, that you are here to change them and make them who you want them to be. Pray that they would surrender to you. Move among us now, we pray, in your name. As our worship team leads us, I encourage you to get up, to find somebody to pray with, to come and receive communion, to make your way to the book table and to sign up for a group and take a book. If you gave your heart to Jesus through that prayer I just prayed, come let me know. I would love to celebrate that with you. Respond now as the Lord leads you.